Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. It's Tuesday, February 27th, and here are today's headlines. Parts of Vermont and eastern New York are all but guaranteed to have their warmest winters on record this season. That's measuring temperatures from the start of December through the end of February. Also this year, snowfall has been inconsistent. Meteorologist Rodney Chai with the National Weather Service in Burlington says high elevations in Vermont have had near-normal snowfall. But in the valley, it's if you look outside, I mean, there's no snow on the ground. And that has been a theme this winter. You know, we, we haven't had been able to get an extended period of near normal temperatures for the snow to stick around because every time it snows, the snow disappears. It's been a warmer than average winter for all of northern New England. And we're experiencing another couple of unseasonably warm days early this week. The company that operates the pharmacy claims system for Vermont's Medicaid program experienced a cybersecurity breach last week that could impact patients' access to prescription medications. Alex McCracken is director of communications for the Department of Vermont Health Access. He says the breach caused a temporary outage of a system that processes prescription claims for the approximately 200,000 Vermonters enrolled in Medicaid. McCracken says the state is now working with pharmacies to ensure that patients don't lose access to prescription medication. There may be delays. We're working to ensure that there is uh, as minimal interruption to coverage as, or to access as humanly possible. McCracken says the company that operates the system, called Change Healthcare, told the state no confidential patient information was compromised as a result of the breach. The company has not provided a timeline for when service will be restored. Police yesterday arrested a teenager for allegedly shooting a woman to death in St. Johnsbury in late January. According to Vermont State Police, the 15-year-old is accused of fatally shooting 38-year-old Christina Chatlows during a confrontation last month. The suspect was taken into custody after the shooting on an unrelated warrant from Massachusetts and extradited there, where he's been held for the past month. VSP say Massachusetts State Police arrested the teen yesterday on the Vermont murder warrant. The teen will be charged with second-degree murder in adult court, according to state police. The Caledonia County State's Attorney's Office is initiating extradition proceedings to bring the suspect back to Vermont. A date for the arraignment has not yet been set. Town Meeting Day voters in Rutland will again decide whether they want the city to continue adding fluoride to municipal water. Opponents believe possible negative effects are being brushed aside, but dentists tout decades of improved oral health. Robin Miller is Vermont's oral health director. Access to dental care is difficult for many people, especially right now, and community water fluoridation may be one of the only preventive dental benefits that some people are getting. And this is a way to provide the decay prevention for everyone in a community, regardless, like I said, of age, race, or or income level. Currently, Rutland's Public Works Commissioner sets water fluoridation policy for the city. 
Voters are being asked to change that and make the decision themselves. In 2016, the last time it was on the ballot, voters strongly favored keeping fluoride in the water. A court has once again ruled that a proposed affordable housing project in Putney did not need to undergo an Act 250 review. That's according to a press release from the Windham and Windsor Housing Trust. A neighbor who lives across the street from the proposed project had appealed a ruling by the state Supreme Court. The court said the project would not need to undergo an Act 250 review because of the exceptions made for mixed-income housing. This was the third ruling in a lengthy legal battle stretching back to 2022. The neighbor first appealed the project's permit because they were concerned with losing green space and increased traffic, according to VT Digger. Developers say the delays have increased the project's cost from $10.3 million to $11.7 million. Construction is now scheduled to begin this spring. Coming up, Vermonters working in agriculture and forestry say old regulatory laws are keeping them from innovation vital to the survival and sustainability of their sectors. That's after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors. In partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. Farms and forests have always been the backbone of Vermont's rural economy. But the nature of farming and forestry in Vermont is changing. Volatility in global markets and industry consolidation have forced the people who work the land to seek out new business models. And those workers say decades-old regulatory laws have choked the innovation needed to keep Vermont's ag and forest sectors alive. Vermont Public's Peter Hirschfeld has been following legislation trying to address those concerns, and he spoke about it with host Mary Engish. How does farming in 2024 look different from when we were growing up? So Clara Eyre is the third-generation co-owner of Fairmont Farm in East Montpelier, and she tried to help lawmakers understand that difference. Uh, Fairmont is a 1,400-cow dairy operation. They crop about 3,700 acres in 14 towns in central Vermont. And Eyre told lawmakers that 10 years ago, the family assumed that growth in milk production was going to be the surest path to long-term profitability. But she says, uh, you know, process capacity has tightened in the dairy market. The commodity dairy market is often a brutal game. And she says the business model of the future now looks a lot different than it did a decade ago. And so as we think about what the path forward is for us today, it's a lot different than what it used to be. I'd say it's probably rare these days for dairy farms to not have some sort of diversification. Fairmont has opened an on-farm retail store where they sell local meat. They started a day camp for kids during the summer. They even have an adult day program for local seniors with high care needs. And Clara Eyre and other farmers and industry experts say the next chapter in Vermont agriculture is in many cases about diversifying product lines, getting into agritourism, building out processing facilities to make value-added products, and focusing on direct-to-consumer sales. Pete, you just mentioned like day camps and and programs for kids too. So what exactly is preventing farmers from pursuing some of these new business ventures? It seems like all roads lead to Act 250 in Montpelier this year, Mary, and, and that's the case here. Act 250, of course, is the law that governs land use in Vermont, and when it was enacted 54 years ago, 
It included exemptions for farming as a way to acknowledge the industry's unique contribution to the economy and the landscape. But Abby Willard at the Agency of Agriculture says the kind of farming that Act 250 contemplated in the 1970s bears less and less resemblance to the kind of farming that we're seeing today. And let's say you're a produce farm that operates in an old dairy barn and you need a larger processing space to make salsa or because your CSA membership has grown so significantly and you need to make an expansion, that type of expansion, even though we would consider that not commercial development, would likely trigger an Act 250 permit. Willard says if Vermont wants to see its agriculture industry survive, then the industry needs to evolve. And she says that evolution is going to be a lot slower if Vermont doesn't alter its regulatory landscape in ways that acknowledge the necessity of things like processing infrastructure and on-farm commerce. Um, And I should note, Mary, that foresters and loggers and sawmill operators say their industry is also at a turning point. Well, how would this legislation under consideration in Montpelier right now address concerns in Vermont's forest products industry? So members of this industry, like their counterparts in agriculture, say that in a lot of cases, smaller, community-scale, diversified operations are the future. Um, Tucker Riggs owns a sawmill in Fletcher, and he says the regulatory hurdles to that model are just untenable right now. Um, he saw demand for local lumber spike during the pandemic, so he decided to expand his operation. And he told lawmakers he had to spend 18 months and $40,000 to get the Act 250 permit needed to move forward with that expansion plan. And he says that's just not a feasible option for younger people who are looking to get into the business. In my mind, the uh Act 250 is the largest hurdle on getting a sawmill operation up off the ground um, in the state. This bill that's under consideration right now would make it so sawmills and other wood products manufacturers of a certain size could avoid the Act 250 permitting process altogether. Between 2016 and 2021, Vermont went from having 44 sawmills reporting activity to only 34. In-state sawmill production fell by 30% as a result. Industry experts say this trend is only going to get worse if the state doesn't remove the financial barriers for folks who want to process the timber that loggers are harvesting from Vermont's forests. Well, what are the prospects for this bill making it over the, the finish line in 2024? Anytime the legislature talks about rolling back regulatory oversight, there are inevitable concerns about things like water quality and traffic and wildlife habitat. Jamie Fidel is the director of the Forest and Wildlife Program at the Vermont Natural Resources Council. He told lawmakers they're absolutely right to be looking for ways to strengthen the working land's economy. But he said Act 250 is an important backstop to protect critical environmental resources. We're uncomfortable with the concept of an outright exemption because we're concerned that, um, let's say, for example, especially in towns that have no zoning or environmental bylaws, What is the environmental review then for the facilities? This is a very complicated bill that the House Committee on Agriculture has been wordsmithing for weeks. It will almost certainly get voted out of that committee, but changing Act 250 is always a tough road in Montpelier, and there are lots of other moving pieces on Act 250 in the legislature this year related to housing primarily, and that makes this even more complicated. Some legislators I've talked to say the likeliest path for these provisions related to ag and forestry is if they're rolled into a broader Act 250 reform package. 
And there's enormous uncertainty right now as to what that package ultimately looks like and whether lawmakers and the governor can find the consensus needed to pass it. That was Vermont Public Reporter Peter Hirschfeld speaking with host Mary Engish about calls for Act 250 reform. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Lexi Krupp, Peter Hirschfeld, Leah Melder-Connors, Nina Keck, and Adia Golston. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. Talk to you tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.